ladies and gentlemen, I am back on U.S. soil and back in the Schultz's basement here for another episode on the podcast. Without further ado, cue the intro. It's good to be back, Jack. I can't lie. It's good to be back. <laughs> Welcome back to the U.S. of A, Tom. Back to the U.S. of A, the greatest country on earth. Jack, you got a lot less hair on your head, man. What happened? Guys, I Jack do, is fully yes. shaved. He is buzzed. I, I do. Yeah, you guys you guys probably haven't seen uh, seen my cut like this, but I have done it the past couple of years. Our, our lacrosse team um, participates in an initiative to raise money for uh, through the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. So... Um, Every head that we shave uh, on our team is worth a thousand dollars that gets donated. Um, so yeah, you know it's a small thing that isn't really that difficult to do that can make you know hopefully a large impact on someone or you know more than one person's life in the future. So good for you, Jack. Um, does it? Uh, obviously, yeah. It's like you said, a small sacrifice to uh, make a big difference and uh, help the cause. Do your part. But uh, do you miss it? Do you miss the flow? Does it feel weird when you put your hand on your head and you don't have any hair there? It feels a little weird, but I will say um, it's just like a lot easier to deal with. And like it is pretty it, it, it is kind of satisfying almost like having a it buzz is. cut. Like what you sacrifice for looks, I would say you gain in like utility just because it's so easy and simple to deal with. Um, that was so like, well said. <laughs> like, yeah, I've never, because I have had the same feelings about a buzz cut my entire life, but I have never really put it into words. But yeah, I have like, for me at least, you're pulling it off. By the way, you look fine. But, Thank you. I appreciate um, that. Like for me, yeah, I think everyone would probably say that about any of their friends. Like, because like when you think about somebody else, like you're not as critical of their appearance probably as they might be of their own. But yeah, mm-hmm. for me, like having a buzz cut is just the best feeling. You roll out of bed, you're race ready, you look good, like you look put together at least. You don't look like you're all disheveled and tired exactly. and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, yeah, but I look like I'm 10 years younger. My head is already like super round, so it makes my head look like a perfect circle. I haven't had a buzz cut in probably close to 10 years now, 12 years yeah. old or so. But man, it's just the best. I really regret not shaving my head. Um, at the, when the pandemic first hit, I really wish I would yeah. shave my head. I don't know why. I, I used to, I used to do it. You know, I'm used to. I've done it the past few years now through this. But growing up playing youth football, that was basically like my routine. Like I, I didn't really go get my hair cut very often. It would just be one of my parents like buzzing my head right before football started because it was hot in the summer and you're wearing a helmet and it's a lot easier to have a buzz cut. And then I would basically just let my hair grow out for like the rest of the year. And it would be like, you know, it would get long, obviously. Yeah. How, um, how, so long, I'm used to how long does it take to go from this point to your, the hair you had previ- previously months? Um, a year. Yeah. Yeah. I would say probably to what I had just before I cut it, I would say probably six months or so. Okay. If I had to guess, maybe, maybe like a little bit more than that. Six months. But, That's really not that bad though. If you think about it. No. No, it's not bad at all. And it's kind of funny because it's like when your hair is this short, you realize how quickly yeah. your hair actually grows. Like even like after a month, you're like, holy cow, like it, it's actually grown so much. Yeah. Like it doesn't really, you know, it still looks like a buzz cut, but like you just, you, you see how much more it grows now. I feel like in order to effectively, I mean, some people can do it without it, but 
really effectively pulling off the buzz cut, I feel like the beard is key. That's why it kind of works yeah. with you, but I can't grow a beard, so then I just, it just, it doesn't work. So I actually kind of like, I had a little bit of a dilemma because I had, um, I had an interview and so I wanted to kind of trim up my beard, you know, normally I'm kind of rocking that like scraggly, almost homeless looking type beard as, <laughs> as you guys have seen. Um, so right now, as Tom's looking at me, it's a little more clean cut, a little shaped up. Um, and I did that for my interview, but I waited to shave my head until after the interview. And my logic behind that was, um, you know, if I did it before the first interview, it might've been a talking point that came up maybe because mm -hmm. the person who was interviewing me had seen me before, but it might not have been. But my logic was if I do well in the first interview and I'm fortunate enough to get a second one, then mm -hmm. it's definitely going to be a talking point and yeah. a positive one at that. Right. It's obviously uh -huh. a positive thing. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of my logic behind it. So this might be the most military I've ever looked in my life with a, with a pretty clean cut beard mm -hmm. and a, and a two buzz cut. Um, so that's what Tom's looking at, you know, for you listeners out there. Yeah. I don't care if his hair is short, his hair is long. It's always just a pleasure to look at Jack and have our Monday <laughs> conversations. But uh, back on Monday, I'm no longer in uh, Germany, no longer on the German time. Back in the States, back on our 7.30 Eastern phone calls that Jack and I do. That's when we record it for you guys' as reference. I think a lot of you diehards know that because you've called into the show and stuff or tried to. But yeah, we, we do the Monday night recordings and then upload Tuesday. I think it's the most effective way to do it because just in case something crazy happens and like there's a current event. And last week was a great example because we recorded that on Sunday and then Sunday evening was the whole Oscars spiel. Yep. So that I like in, in the edit, I like talked about it really quick because I thought it'd be funny to comment on. Um, not that my opinion really matters or anything, but um, that's why we do it as like late as possible because you don't want to upload outdated stuff and a lot can happen in the blink of an eye in today's day and age and it can spread the news can spread quickly so that's why we do this exactly but uh jack i'll be honest with you i'm I'm being strong right now but i am just absolutely exhausted <laughs> i'm so i can hear it in your voice a you little bit I, I've, I've done enough of these i've done enough of these with mm -hmm. you now that i i sense a little bit of a little bit of fatigue yeah coming from the, that side of the, screen, the, the good thing is is we got drew davis joining us here in a few moments and we'll uh we'll finish off the the later half of the podcast with him so maybe he'll re-energize me true spirits always seem to get me going but um yeah, yeah I'm, I'm quite jet lagged and honestly it was probably worse in terms of like it, the lack of sleep that i was getting when i got to germany um but coming mm -hmm. back now i think it's going to hit me the hardest like today and tomorrow because yesterday i was awake so uh, it was a six hour jump guys so 7 30 eastern start time here it's basically like we're starting this at 1 30 in germany and I f 1 30 in the morning and I flew back yesterday yesterday I was awake for 24 and a half hours straight because we I left <laughs> I got up at my hotel at like 5 a.m and I didn't get into bed until like 11 15 and I fell asleep immediately but anyway we we're supposed to fly Dang. out Friday and um I was debating if I even wanted to tell this story or not on this podcast guys because honestly it's embarrassing and it should never happen to someone who is humbly speaking as smart as I am Jack, we missed our flight on Friday back to the United States. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I swear to God. How? Dude, there was a lot of factors. I guess I'll put it in a in a nice way, but <laughs> it, it was not my fault. However, I do feel partially responsible because, like I said, I'm... 
<laughs> humbly speaking, I'm too smart and too well put together of a person to ever allow that to happen. So yeah. I feel responsible for just not like overdoing it on the planning side. Now there's an extent to like how much delays you can anticipate. And yes, what we went through as a group was a lot more than I could have ever really planned for. But we should have been shooting for like a four hour early arrival for the international flight back home. Whereas I only planned it to be like two and a half or three. So that's the only reason that I kind of feel partially responsible for it. But at the end of the day, it was still kind of irritating because, yes, there was a lot of things that happened and I was frustrated. And I'm like, oh, we're running late, but we're still going to make this flight. I wasn't even concerned about missing it because we were at the Delta desk with, I want to say, a little over an hour to the flight. But they wouldn't take our bags, wouldn't give us a boarding pass. They were just not cooperating. So that was really frustrating, too. I don't know mm-hmm. if they like thought because we hadn't checked in, we weren't coming, and they sold our tickets. I don't know. But there was us, me and my coworkers, and then there was another group of like a dozen people, also Americans, and they were not helping any of us. And we're like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, we could, you know, we could check in and walk to our gate in 15 minutes, and you're not going to let us, yeah. you know. So that was irritating. But so yeah, we had to stay two extra days. So I had this whole weekend. I was like, okay, I'll be able to get unjet lagged. Me and Kyle can work on a lot of stuff. Like, I really needed these two days. So I was. Yeah, really, really mad <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, and like I said, that should never should never happen to anyone. And I do still, even though it, like wasn't my fault, I still like really blame myself for like allowing that to even be a possibility. You know what I mean? Right. So that's why I'm hitting myself a little bit because that should. Never, are you are you normally never... are you normally someone who like, I mean you know, for lack of better terms, like over plans to an extent, just to really ensure that, you know, things go smoothly. Like, would you describe yourself normally as someone like that? I am the most, this is why it's amazing that this happened is because I'm the most like overly anxious, punctual person you'll probably ever meet. Like I used to get, mm. get to high school, like a school would start at 725. I'd usually roll up like 655 and sit in the car for 10, 15 minutes, then go inside. Like baseball yeah. games, I would drive, say you have to be there an hour early. I'd usually show up like an hour and 45, hour and a half early just to make sure I wasn't late. Like, I freak out about being late. And my parents know that's my, I texted my mom after, and she's like, is this an April Fool's joke? And I'm like, no, I promise <laughs> you, we missed the flight. I'm not kidding. And um, oh I was like, you think I was an early freak before? I was like, my whole family's going to suffer for the rest of my life because I'm going to make them get to the airport so early. <laughs> so, um, so you guys didn't check into your flight, though? Like, I'm a little confused as to why these people weren't helping you out or, like, letting you on. They physically wouldn't. Even, I think the rule on the Delta website is you must check in an hour prior to your international flight. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, we were at the desk an hour prior, but they just, they wouldn't, they wouldn't check us in. There was no one there for baggage. So, they wouldn't, they wouldn't print a boarding pass for us. They would not allow us to check into the flight. So when you said that you should have prepared for four hours before the flight takes off the mm-hmm. international flight. Do you mean like stepping foot into the airport four hours before? I, I mean, yes. Arriving at the airport four hours before. Okay. That's what and I mean. And you got there more like three hours before. And that no, was no, no. We period. got there. We were walking like, like rental car taken care of at the correct terminal. We were there like an hour and 10 before only where I had okay. planned my plan on paper with like looking at Google maps and stuff was about two and two and a half hours before the flight, which was not enough in hindsight. That's why I'm beating myself right. for, up for it. Cause for an international flight, you should be there at least three hours early. And I think the problem there is, and I didn't even see it as a problem. Like I said, this is all in hindsight, but mm-hmm. you know, the, over the last year I've, I've flown quite a bit through MLW compared to like the rest of my life. Yeah. So I'm very comfortable in airports now. 
and it wasn't an issue. You know, my mom dropped me off about two hours prior to the flight to Europe. No issues, very quick check-in and all that stuff. But once again, that was only me I had to worry about. I wasn't with a group and stuff like that. So and there was no rental car to deal with. I was getting going to the correct terminal, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. if, the reason I decided to tell this story and, and uh, sacrifice my <laughs> how embarrassing that is to miss a flight <laughs> is if there's just one person here who's flying internationally, do not miss a flight because it sucks. When you're like ready to go home and you've been, you're overseas, far away from everyone you love, alone and you miss a flight it just sucks so much <laughs> yes and like i said it like i i remained pretty calm and i was like like tell my parents like don't freak out i'm fine whatever but it it definitely did suck just those extra yeah. 48 hours blue and i lost my weekend i was super tired today and now yeah it's just like i mean that's a that's a really good example but just when you have your expectations set on things you know exactly on ways on, on what you think it's going to go, like how you think it's going to go. And then you just get that completely turned mm-hmm. 180. That's where it's just like, oh, yeah, know, it sucks. It's well, and the reason it sucked is because I think I talked about this when we were doing our new year's resolutions and stuff is like, I'm really focusing on like trying to worry about things that are not in my control. And to mm-hmm. an extent that was out of my control, but also trying that to was, not worry. You mean like, not yeah. Worry. So I want to just, yeah. So the, re- but the reason I was saying, like, don't worry about what's out of your control is because what's in your control, you always should be worried about and doing whatever you can to make what's in your control go as best as possible. Right. So while certain things that made us late were out of my control, once again, it was in my control to prepare for that. So I'm so mad because yeah. that's just such an avoidable situation. That's what I was texting yeah. my boss today about it when I was we're going over expenses and stuff. Um, like, so avoidable. So avoidable. So but how never, many international flights never, had you had you been on before? That was my first one. So, so but still, you Jack, and you learn. <laughs> I, I was texting my friend, um, Mike Stahelski, actually. You guys know him, played on the Seahawks if you're an OG fan. Um, and I was like, <laughs> Mike, I was like, to be honest with you, bro, I am way too smart a person to, within the 365 day period to drop my phone in a lake and miss a flight. That should <laughs> never happen. And I've done two of those things in the same year. 22 oh. has not been my year. I promise you I'm pretty responsible, but if you're listening to this, do not make the same mistake I did and get there early. And when I say early, I mean four hours. When we, for the rescheduled flight, um, I told my employees, my coworkers, I was like, the flight was at 1040. We were about 15 mm-hmm. minutes from the airport. And I was like, I am not comfortable leaving our hotel any later than 6 a.m. And if you guys don't agree, I will just Uber myself because I was so anxious about missing another flight. And... I was camped in the hotel, checked out at like 5.35 and just sitting there and I waited for him. <laughs> it happens to the best of us, man. If you if you are saying 2022 is not your year, Tom, no, 20, I would tell you. being 22, 20, my age is what I'm saying. Oh, That's, your it age. It also lines okay, up with the year, yeah. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, you know, you got, we're only in April here. You got the whole yeah. rest of the year to make it up. I got one more month. I got one more month to salvage twenty two. I'm not saying twenty two's been an all bad year, but that's two things that should never happen to anybody. And yeah, those are things I hear and laugh at people for. Like, you missed a flight. (laughs) Like, what are you doing with your life? But yeah, and then it happens to you, and and you're like, then you took a long look at yourself and really reevaluate how responsible you thought you were as a person. Exactly. So exactly. Probably. I'm happy. Moral of the story also is I'm happy you made it back safe and sound oh yeah although you probably didn't get home or you didn't get home as as quickly as you would have liked but hey 
No. I think you'd rate the trip success overall, other than that little snafu, and now you're back. Yeah, once again, it's it's hard because it's like the recency bias, I think is the psychology term. It's like, because it ended on such a sour note, it's easy to look at it in a negative manner. But like, yeah, before that, it was a it was a good experience and a, and a good trip. So hopefully years from now, I'm not going to remember these crappy couple days, and I'll just remember um, the, the trip <laughs> itself. So yeah, nonetheless, I'm tired, and I hope you guys are more responsible than I am. Um, definitely was a lot of, when you're sitting there and they're switching your flight ticket, you're thinking about your life, thinking, gosh, I am the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but we it, it I, I, was it's so out, funny that, that you used, it was out of my control to an extent but once yeah. again i should have overplanned the the last like little note on it, it's just so funny that you say that because i can't tell you how many times like i'm like in the line for security flying home and i see people like scrambling like trying to ask people if mm-hmm. they can like get through security faster or they're like sprinting through the airport and just in my head, I'm just like, how how have you how are you yeah. as an adult like that mm-hmm. unorganized to like behave that way? But I've also <laughs> been in that situation. Sometimes so it's you, like, if it's like a connecting flight, you can't help it. Sometimes like you have to be yeah. moving that fast. But for us, yeah. it was the opposite because once again, just due to lack of preparing on my end and also just lack of experience of flying internationally and stuff, like I was in no hurry in that airport. We checked in our car. I'm like, okay, let's go get our you know, bags taken care of, blah, blah, blah. And then we're like, where, like, why is there no one from Delta at these desks? And they're like, you guys are too late. I'm like, what? We have an hour till the flight leaves. Like, what do you mean we're too late? And then yeah. so I was like making my case, this woman, she's like, sometimes she didn't speak great English. She's like, sometimes hour, five minutes, hour, 10 minutes, we close. Like they were make, I don't know. We, we were, it was a combination <laughs> of, we were too late at the end of the day. Right. I don't care. We were too late. So it's whatever. And I'm home now. So it's all, it's all good. Um, it's behind good us, stuff. Jack. We, we learned from good it. Stuff. And sometimes some mistakes suck a lot more than others to learn from, but that one was uh, very humbling for me and uh, definitely will never, ever, ever, ever make that mistake again. Yes, (laughs) yes. uh, Yeah, but moving on from that, Jack, um, we are going to get joined by Drew Davis in a couple moments and we'll get his thoughts on this, but I wanted to um, bring up a topic with you that was uh, brought to the MLW Nation's attention on Instagram a couple days ago, which was the pitching duos across... MLW. If we switch gears yep. here into wiffle ball gear, um, and it is pretty cool now, since we implemented the rule about having to pitch, you know, a certain amount of innings per series and getting the number twos involved. You know, now each team kind of does have a duo, and that's prior to this year's yeah. draft. So it's cool to kind of see the quote-unquote pitching staffs developing across the league. But um, mm-hmm. the comments got pretty heated amongst fans, amongst players about which duo is the best, who's the best, who's the worst, that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on what you think, uh, you know, if you're being unbiased as to, you know, who do you think yeah. are the standouts and who do you think really need to try to make some moves? Um, well, you know, obviously trying to be as unbiased. I like the guys that I got. I like the duo. Um, I'm really excited for this year to have Bonham for a full season and really be able to gel with them. Um, you know, just kind of looking through the posts, like they're all solid duos. I, I mean, I, I think you would agree with the fact that maybe the Mallards are like the biggest question mark and mm-hmm. probably and probably need a little bit of, you know, help maybe or just a little bit more confidence like in their pitching and their in their bullpen. Um, you you've obviously proven it over the years, right? But recently, you know, with the injury and things, there's been some question marks. Mm-hmm. Um, and how 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 well Caden is going to continue to develop is also a question mark. So. You know, if I had to pick a team who 
was probably going to go after someone in the draft pitching wise, it would be the Mallards. Um, obviously, you guys got the number one pick. Mm-hmm. I think that the I think that the the Gators are probably, in my opinion, the most like slept on duo. Um, just because I think that they're like so even, and at times, at times, Jorgensen, in my opinion, at least, is like a lot better than Cheatham. And then there's other times where maybe Jorgensen doesn't have it and Cheatham just on, you know what I mean? So they sort of like, they complement each other at the right times, I feel like. And um, when they started in the league, Jorgie was kind of the number one and then Cheatham sort of overtook that. And now I feel like Jorgensen is almost gaining a little bit of ground back. So it's interesting to see. I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see, you know, how, how Zerlag manages their bullpen this year. Um, but those are just my kind of initial thoughts. I think the Preds too kind of have a sneaky good bullpen with McGlade. He can he can kind of pump it in there a little bit and Cratch. You know we all know what he can do. I think a full year figuring out the the pocket radar will will benefit him. Mm-hmm. And you know he's just a really competitive guy too. So I don't know. Those were kind of some of my first like initial thoughts. Yeah. Um... I like your comment about the Gators, how they're kind of slept on, because I feel like, yeah, Jorgensen and Cheatham really, I wouldn't put either one of them in, like, the elite category from, like, a fan's perspective. I feel like they're not talked about as, like, the best in the league, but they're both extremely solid. And like you said, Cheatham kind of came out of nowhere. Like, he wasn't really drafted into this league as a pitcher, but became one one of the most difficult to hit in 2020, and that kind of carried into 2021. Um, and at least the Gators that I face as a player on the Mallards, I feel like are a different breed than anybody else yeah. sees. So I absolutely think they're a deadly duo. Um, they seem to just put it into, into high gear when they're playing against us. But I would agree with you 100% that the Mallards are a clear uh, low point of all these pitching duos. You know, last year you may not have noticed it as much in terms of like the entire staff as a whole because they had Bonham for the majority of the year. And uh, mm-hmm. but now that he's on the Magic, yeah, I mean Tommy and Caden both were far from ace material last year. I'm talking about myself in the third person. I apologize, but duty <laughs> calls. Um, so yeah, I think um, bring it back into first person. I would really need to step up if we were to not draft a pitcher. But I think it's pretty obvious that at number one, we're going to need some sort of arms. So that's kind of the goal here. Yeah, Caden has potential. Davenport has potential, but I think. Um, we really, really need to step up, um, both at the plate and on the mound. But winning starts, winning starts at the mound. Then you got to have the bats to back it up. So um, we got yep. some work to do for sure in the draft. Um, one duo I'm curious to see how they age this year is um, Kyle Schultz and Nick Saylor. I was just gonna so, say that. Too. So Kyle obviously is elite and has been elite for a very long time. I don't see that changing. And this is not a dig at Nick Saylor at all. I mean, I love the kid. I don't think you take this personal. Um, but just commenting on how I see the situation is time and time again, as you guys heard me announcing the Wildcats games, I was always baffled about how teams weren't getting to Nick Saylor. And, you know, the kid knows how to pitch. You know, he pitches at a collegiate level and um, he knows how to locate and he, you know, he knows the game. But the stuff really isn't too nasty. The velocity is not super high in MLW. And mm-hmm. so I'm just curious to see if he can maintain what he did in 2021. Because to be honest, it was remarkable. I mean, his numbers yeah. were, were Cy Young numbers. Insane. Through the postseason, yeah. too. In the, in, under the big lights, on the big stage. So um, I'm curious to see if he can, you know, have the same year that he had in 2021 into 2022. It'll just, it'll just be interesting to see how his, how his game ages, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, 
I wouldn't say, you know, I think some people would say like his season was a fluke, but just how well he performed, like you said, in the postseason kind of proves that it I wasn't know. like it's, they it's, still like couldn't really yeah, get I, after I, him I can't that really much. say anything bad about him. I mean, like I said, he went a whole year just dominating, right. but still. I think I think the the hitters in this league are good enough to where if you're not changing your stuff up, though, like I feel like the best pitchers come back every year and they have a little something a little bit different that mm-hmm. they offer. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at from Nick's point of view or, you know, to see out of Nick, like, can he add maybe a little bit something extra there that we haven't seen just to keep people a little bit more thrown off? You know what I mean? Because my gut tells me that if he kind of keeps going at the same level with the same stuff, yes, it worked for a year, but if you're not getting better than other people are, you know what I'm saying? So like the batters are only going to get better too. And no. so I think that's like you said, you know, you mentioned Kyle being an elite pitcher for so long. I feel like every time I face him, he like throws like a like he has his staple pitches, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he's like always keeping me on my toes type yeah. when I'm when I'm batting against him. Yeah, the, be- the best in the game are definitely evolving ever so slightly year after year and just yeah. continue to perfect their craft. So I, I do think that if Nick Taylor doesn't push himself to do that, he may uh, struggle. But who knows? Maybe it'll take us another year to adjust. I don't I don't I'm not really sure. Yeah. So we we'll might see. be sitting here in a year from now going, we still couldn't hit Nick Saylor. I know, it could just be more <laughs> question marks for me as I'm standing behind the camera yeah. while Saylor's pitching, but uh, I guess time will tell. Time will tell. I'm excited. It's honestly, it's very exciting to watch just because it's, it's poetry in yeah. motion. It really is. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. But uh, I think we got Drew on the line now. Drew, are you there? Yeah, what's up? Oh, there he is. Welcome back to Pipe It Up. It's been a while. A minute. It's been, it's been like an hour. It sounds like you're in a tunnel a bit. I'm going to take my AirPods out and see if that makes it better. Yeah, I was going to say, AirPods Pro, um, if I give my quick comment on Apple products, AirPods Pro, 10 out of 10 sound quality. I love them. Great noise canceling, great transparency features, but the microphone on them, not great. I never use them for interviews or anything like that. I'm uh, not like I'm disappointed in that. Like I didn't buy them for that necessarily, but the microphone is not, uh, not an A1 microphone. Let's see if Drew sounds better now. Drew, you there? Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the heck that was. I uh, I took out my AirPods and it canceled me out of the meeting. Well, he's he's back, folks. He's back. Can you hear me? We're yeah, you sound great. Player. Never a dull that- moment. Drew Davis, ladies and gentlemen, he is back. And uh, I also have my- I can put that in. No, you're good. You're good. You sound good now. Um, but uh, did you hear Jack and I talking about the duos? I was curious to hear your your opinion on the pitching duos and. What coming into twenty twenty one, where the question marks are? How do you think the Cobras stand on that front? And uh, just your thoughts. Well, Cobras have a trio now, but uh, okay, okay. Oh well, I guess I, I I won't say names. No names, uh, no names. But um, well, I mean Gus. We have a our whole team's filled with pitchers. No, but um, no, I think real like realistically, I I I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think like. A lot of people see Barron's stat line, and it definitely doesn't look good on paper. But like, I think if you go back and watch, um, like a lot of at, different at bats, like 
there's a lot of times where Barron shows like glimpses of a lot of potential. Like some of his pitches were nasty and something that we actually talked about was um, I think one of the reasons that, that uh, Barron got hit off so much was just, he like, he throws so many strikes Mm -hmm. uh, and he also kind of leaned on one pitch last year. And so um, we're, we're changing some things up. And I think that, that next year, I'm also, um, I've been, I'm, I'm going to be building a strike zone here and practicing on my own. So I think next year we like, realistically, I think we could be a top three, like pitching duo. To be completely honest with you, Drew, I feel like the Cobras, you and Baron specifically, I'm not commenting on your new, your new prospect, but, um, I feel like you are probably the most intriguing staff in my mind. Because we've seen you um, show flashes of greatness, flashes of dominance. Um, but we've seen the highs and the lows of your career. But I have seen it, Drew. I've seen you in, in ace mode, and it's it's deadly. And Baron, I'm very high on Baron still. I know, like you said, the stat line didn't show what we thought it could be in uh, in 2021. But um, I've seen the kid pitch competitive tournaments in MLW, in our own MLW tournaments. And uh, the kid knows how to throw. You know, he's got good mechanics. Yeah. He's can step up in the clutch. He has different pitches, different arsenal. He can change speeds. And I think there's a lot of potential between you and Baron to be a stellar one, two punch. So I'm kind of, like, uh, I'm kind of excited to watch the Cobras this year, to be honest. Guys, I, I, I honestly fans, I wish I could tell you why some games I play like garbage. I really <laughs> wish I wish I could tell you, I wish I could figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out this spring before the season starts, but it's not like I'm trying. Like I, I wish just as much as you that I didn't suck some of the times. I couldn't have said it better myself, Drew. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> it's like I don't know if you heard that Joey Gallo quote from a couple from like a week or two ago, but some reporter asked him, he was like, in your ex season in the MLB, how do you find consistency? And he was like, I'm still trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm 29 years old. Girl, I, I'm still trying consistency is probably the biggest thing across, I mean, all sports. I specifically think a lot about basketball and baseball, wiffle ball, whatever, um, just because those are very, like, confidence-based sports. I feel like if you're not confident at the plate, you're not confident on the mound, it's going to show badly. And in basketball, if you don't have a confident shot, same thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think consistency consistency comes with confidence, and confidence will come from consistency. So I think they got to kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. So uh, I guess – Yeah. I mean, the mental part of the game is is so big. Drew, I think you get, like, criticized a lot about that. Not even criticized, but talked about because you're very emotional, which is fine. There's plenty of professional athletes who show a lot of emotion, too. But I think it affects everyone, whether you show it or not. Like, if you're, if you're not yeah. right in your head, it's so difficult to be um, to, to be elite. It's, it's almost impossible. I, I did really – that was something I did try and work on last year, and I think it did show. I saw a lot of people um, talking about how it was – I was, like, a little bit different last year. Um, and I, that was something I tried to work on was kind of like staying a little bit more level grounded in tight situations and in, in dire situations. So, um, that was something I worked on. Um, and I think it definitely helped, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think Drew, I don't really remember. And I hate to use this word. Once again, this is not personal. I'm just commenting on your game. And I had plenty of teammates in baseball who would have things like this too, but I really don't remember like a Cobra's quote-unquote, like, train wreck inning last year like we've seen in the past. Was there one that I'm forgetting yeah. about? But I don't remember you ever, like, completely falling off the uh, rails. I mean, there was, a, there was like, the one, but, I mean, there was, like, the one against the Magic, but I wouldn't call that a train wreck. I would just – they were hitting. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it was a train wreck. I think, like, yeah. Trevor had and slam, and then there was, like, 
another home run. So I don't think that was necessarily a train wreck. It was more just they hit me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, fair. I think I think Tom when he means train wreck, like just yeah, yeah, yeah. uncontrollable walks, you know, and Over. just like frustration. Yeah. I don't, I agree with him though. I don't really remember that at all. Um, yeah. which I felt like. I felt like Drew Davis was good for at least one of those innings a season in years past. And I don't think we got that at all. Yeah. I don't think yeah. so either. Yeah. So I do have some thoughts on some of the other duos though. If yeah. I yeah. I wanted to hear those. Oh yeah. I think the one I have the most thoughts on is the Eagles. They interest okay. me the most because I legitimately think like it is possible. The Eagles could go the entire season without like lighting up a run like i don't know if you guys remember the eagle season like two years ago when dan had like let up two runs the entire year yeah, it was like 0.15 yeah i remember yeah and the thing is, is like dallas is just as good like dallas is really really good and him and dan to me are the scariest duo in the league by far like dan or dallas as a second year player like him as a rookie last year was good. yeah that's so true yeah and he and he uh drew like just to add to your point even improved immensely like from the start of the season to the end like and that was in one year so you know i know i know dallas i'm assuming he's practicing you know in this off season like i agree yeah. with you he could he could take even another exponential leap forward in the uh -oh. in his sophomore campaign and they could be deadly i've said it before i multiple times that i think dan is the hardest pitcher to hit off of. that's just my okay. opinion Plus, I feel um, like Dallas being an active baseball player is such a positive for me because I feel like it takes away that variable of whether or not, like, he's going to walk out there one day and not have his stuff. It just keeps you so oh, yeah. consistent when you're throwing baseballs week in and week out and you're swinging every day. Like, it just keeps you so consistent and in such good shape that it's like your margin for error is just way smaller. Right. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but 2020, which I think is, like, definitely my worst year, that is the one year I didn't play baseball. Yeah. With I bet you that I bet you that's that that isn't a coincidence. I would say I, it's I, not either. Um, but yeah, I think another duo that interests me a lot is uh is Jonah and and Jimmy. Okay. More so Jonah. Just because, well, first off, he's like the only lefty pitcher. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. crazy. And he's also someone else who's like his ERA last year was like a one. Yeah. But He's he would be an ace on like a lot of teams, um, and he's like their backup. Like they're pitching. They, I mean, every team's pitching is like really scary coming up. No, like, I yeah, I, that's I the agree. thing. Like you just you said he would be an ace on a lot of the other teams, but like what what team would you make him an ace I, on? Like I agree that he is like a phenomenal pitcher, but that's it. That's the crazy thing is how skilled all these duos are. Like I don't I don't know. That's exactly, honestly, what I just thought after I said it, before you said it. It was like, after I just said he would be an ace, I thought to myself real quick, I was like, wait, maybe he wouldn't because <laughs> every team's ace is so good. Yeah. It definitely so I don't know if you, yeah, sorry, Tom. I don't know if you heard, like, when you first hopped on, but um, me talking about the Gators, like, I know Jimmy had all the accolades and things last year, but I do think Jonah is, is very talented and, and slept on in some regard. Um, and sometimes like, I almost see those teams similar in the sense where like, like, yes, Jimmy's the ace. Um, and so it's a little bit different dynamic than the Gators, but they kind of go back and forth. 
like at times they're almost even um, similar to like, like the Cheatham Jorgensen duo. So I think those teams are like comparable in that yeah. regard. Yeah. I, yeah, I, well, the weird thing for me is I haven't faced, um, jo- I haven't really faced Jimmy or Joe. I, I, the only time I've ever played Jimmy was his first game in the entire league. Yeah. His debut. That's crazy. So actually. I that is crazy. Jimmy, I haven't seen Jonah. I've seen plenty of, um, Chris and, and, uh, and Brendan. Um, so I think for me, I think Jonah and Jimmy are more lethal, but that's just because I played Brendan and, and Chris and I've hit off them. Mm-hmm. So, and we were pretty successful. Um, and so I don't, I, you know, we played them again, opening day. So that could have been a factor, like is their first game of the season. Um, some, I think some teams just play well, like we're historically a good opening day team. And maybe that was a factor. Like maybe Brendan and Chris need some more time to, you know, get started. Yeah. yeah. Very true. All, all good points. All good points. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun year. If you're a fan of pitching, it's going to be a fun year. If you're a fan of hitting, it's going to be a fun year. I mean, it's going to be a fun year regardless. But um, I, the, um, Sorry, just one more thing to add. I have one more thing to add. Um, I think the person to watch this year for pitching is, is Ryan. Ryan? He's coming back mad yeah. this year, you think? I just... Um, I think towards the end of the year, and I don't necessarily want to say it was because of this. I think it was because of the speed limit, but I don't want that to come across as he's not good with the speed limit because I think he can be, I think it was just an adjustment thing. I think he like, I think everyone would, I think it's fair to say that he was someone who did rely a little bit on speed previously. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's not the only one, um, and I think maybe he just had a harder time getting like it's acclimated. Just, it, it was a, it was a, in his, def- I'll be, I'll play devil's advocate here. In Ryan's defense, like it was a hard situation to be put into for him. It was just like how a lot of the major league pitchers were complaining about, oh, yeah, you know, how I, MLB pitchers were complaining about how they added the, you know, they banned foreign substances or were more strict on that in the middle of the season. You know, it's hard to make adjustments yeah. in the middle of the season. So, Ryan's yeah. body was just in the routine, like his mechanics of throwing just a couple miles per hour over, but just the mental effect of that, as well as the physical adjustments you need to make, um, you know, that's, that's tough. It's tough to do on the fly, especially in, in big games. So I felt for him in that, in that aspect, but um, as a league, that was the decision we made was to implement the, the speed limit in the middle of the year. And um, unfortunately for Ryan, it was just, it just uh, didn't, didn't pan out well for him. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I'm, I think the thing I'm trying to get across is like, it would be interesting to see the first like two, three series of the year to see if those struggles continue or if having a brand new start with that speed limit already incorporated, if he, um, you know, comes off, like if he starts off the much stronger. Mm-hmm. I think knowing Ryan and, you know, also knowing that he like is playing baseball and stuff, I think he'll, he's skilled enough to dial it in and figure out what he's got to do to be within the, the the limit i think you know mm-hmm. to echo tommy's point springing it in the middle of the season was a challenge but it you know it was something everyone had to deal with some better than others obviously but ryan's experience you know he's a baseball player i i have confidence that he's going to be able to figure it out so i agree I with too. you drew it'll be interesting to watch and uh in, but that from what i just said i mean i hope none of the people listening take that as like shots at ryan because like you said, Jack, Dan's the scariest pitcher for you to face. To me, Ryan is that is that pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think he's just like, you know, he, he's got something different. Um, and I think it's because a lot of his pitches come from some different angles than most people. And he's really hard to read compared to some other pitchers. Yeah, I would agree with that. He does a good job keeping it on your toes. Yeah. I wouldn't say Dan's very scary, though. I think he's just hard to hit. He's got a nice yeah. face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. What do you think? Who, who would you say? I don't know if you, you really mentioned, like, if you could pick one, one duo or even one pitcher that's like a sleeper in your eyes. Um, one, du- I, if I'm going to go for sleeper, cause I think I stay like in terms of like fast duo to me, that's the Eagles, um, mm-hmm. in terms of sleeper, man, that is really, that's really tough. I'm just going to think really quick on the teams. Mom. I'd say it's the <sighs> Cobes, man. It's the Cobes. I feel like people are sleeping well, on yeah. the Cobes. You know, I, I did want to say that I didn't want to be a Homer. So no, that's fine. You can be unbiased and still say yourself. I'll say the Cobras, but I also will say the the Mallards because I like I did kind of a rankings video earlier, and I don't know how much the Mallards will improve this year, but I think it will be a lot. So I I don't know if they're going to make playoffs. I don't know if they're going to win the World Series. I don't know what they're going to do. But to me, I think the Mallards are like our scary sleeper team because of how of how poorly you guys finished the year last year. I think a lot of people are kind of looking at you guys the same way like you looked at we used to look at the Preds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I think you guys can be like even you like you were injured last year. Um Caden is someone who came from a league where he had to make a ton of adjustments and I think like having his second year in the league, I think mm-hmm. I heard you say he's dangerous. So to me the Mallards are really the Mallards have such I think a high ceiling. And also at the same time a really low floor. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fair assessment, I think, to be honest with you. Yeah. So uh, um, I'm I'm excited. To just I think we're all getting antsy. You know, opening day less than a month away, oh, I'm and uh, I'm getting I can tell you're antsy, Drew. I can just see the jitters in your eyes. You ready to play some oh, whiffs? Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so ready. I'm gonna build be building myself a strike zone here soon, and I'm just gonna be pounding that thing. What can the fans expect from the Cobes this year? What what kind of antics are we gonna see from the Cobes? Same old Cobes. How many evil? Get, evil, Drew. <laughs> evil. We're done. How so? We're done. You're just done. Done with what? I'm done. You know why? Because I've talked with my team before, and I'm like, and I've had the same thoughts. I've tried going in like at some at different times. I mean, I don't think I've ever tried to do it for a whole season because it is exhausting to try and be be the good guy. Wow. Um, but just like, I don't know, man, I've tried in past, like, like talent, like talking with Andy and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm like, maybe we should be less of the villain. Maybe we should just like, like try to be like chaotic, but still good. And like, we're just done with it, man. Like, we're just so ready to accept being the villain. Like, like we are the epitome of what last year's Astros were like the signs cheated, but like, Everyone hated the Astros last year, and the Astros didn't try to be like, oh, feel sorry for us. No, they said, hate us. We don't care. We'll still be good. Mm-hmm. And, like, I want that to be us. I want us to just, like, say, screw it. You know, the people that like us are going to like us. The people that don't, why try and convince them? Uh, Drew, you got a real fan base. I mean, the, the Cobras fans, yeah. they, they don't waver. They're they're, they're through oh, thick and thin. They're, they're beautiful. They're wonderful. So... Um, I know a lot of people. Are I, oh, for you guys. I, I don't know if I, I don't. We're, we're we uh, 
me and Andy decided we are getting some um, some iron on Cobra Kai patches that say uh, strike hard, strike first, no mercy. Hmm. Um, that's our official motto this year. Did you clear that with Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> Just some small corporate ho- hoops to jump through, and then then we'll be good Thanks. to go on that. Um, um, maybe we won't then. We'll just say it. Just you just say it. Okay, I, I like that. Um, but I'm looking. For, yeah, I never know how many different moods I'm gonna see Drew in. How many different jerseys I'm gonna see in. How many oh. different variations of eye black I'm gonna see the kid wearing. Accessories. How much icy hot or no? What's the stuff you use? You use oh, uh, Tiger Bomb. Um, no, what was the stuff that you use as a different brand? Oh, there's Ben Gay. There's Tiger Bomb. There's Icy Hot. I'm trying to think of the one you use. Bio like, oh, Biofreeze. How much Biofreeze yeah. can Drew go through in one day is always what the question is in my head. Biofreeze bio ranks three on that list. I would say Tiger Bomb's top tier. Ben Gay's a, a, a nice second, but still far. Um, and then and then Icy Hot and Biofreeze are kind of the, the trash versions of those two. No, only I'm not a big... Uh, I don't... I, I guess in terms of the, the rehab process of being sore and throwing and actively taking care of your body, I'm not very good at that. Um, I'm not very active in it, but I, I'm, I'm familiar with only Ben Gay on that list. When I had my hip issue in, when I was in seventh grade, I was uh, frequently applying Ben Gay to the affected area. That stuff burns deep. It's a weird feeling. I can't ben imagine Gay. having that in my arm. Ben Gay was given to us in our John Boy Blitzball gift, gift packages. Wow. That's pretty cool, actually, the gift bags. And I'm dead serious. Every single person was using it by day two. Yeah, I bet. I bet. But, but where do you put, like, on your shoulder, on your arm? And, like, how does that feel if you're playing <laughs> everywhere? Um, my, my arm is usually pretty lathered up in a lot of places. My throwing arm, that is. Um, yeah, my elbow, for sure, gets a lot of it. Um, some of you, I mean, the players may know. I don't know. I have, I have some chronic nerve issues in my right elbow that have still not been able to be figured out by doctors. Um, yeah, and just uh, play through it. Uh, that, yeah, was my, so that was my motto in high school. I, I mask it with tiger bomb. Tiger bomb. All right. Well, there you have it. Drew's ranking his muscle care products. Tiger bomb oh, reaches number one. You know, so congratulations, you know, tiger bomb free shout out free promo so I got a question for you. Yeah. Is this the end of my segment? No. Oh, okay. Then never mind. We can keep talking. Why? Oh, I was just gonna say I had something to tell 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 Jack. Oh, oh you're welcome. To, you're welcome to say whatever. I had my first men's legal cross game yesterday. Nice, nice. How did we do? You know, started off rough. I forgot my inhaler. Oh. Uh, so I was going in pretty scared. Um, and uh, someone someone let me theirs, but that I didn't figure out they had one until halfway through the game. So the first half. It was really rough for me. Um, I was supposed to be playing attack, and uh, they needed a face-off guy. And, you know, Jack, as you know, yep. I, was, I was an aspiring Fogo at one yep. point. And so I took the reins. Um, you know, they, they changed the rules for face-offs, so that threw me for a loop. Um, yep. The player probably won't know what I'm talking about, but they changed the rules, and it really screwed me up. And so I said, Jack, screw the typical face-off approach. I'm not even going for the clamp. I'm just going full defense. And when this guy tries to to uh, uh, scoop the ball to himself, I'm just going to whack that stick as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I, won, I won about 50%. Um, so I was pretty proud. Didn't get a shot on goal until 
a minute left, went out for the faceoff. I told myself, no matter what, you're getting a shot on goal. I don't care what happens. You're getting a shot on goal. So I won the faceoff. And I was, I was, I mean, you know this, Jack. You you get the ball and you just see green. Just take yeah. off. <laughs> so I start running. And I get about 15 yards out from the pipes. I got about three defenders with long poles. They just collapse on me. And uh, there was a guy wide open on the crease. Did I pass it? No chance. <laughs> Went for the shot. Got it off. And I was... I thought I saw it going in and it hit the crossbar oh. shot straight up oh. and it was brutal. And the worst part about it was Jack is, is I think I, you know, I hate, I don't like blaming equipment. Mm-hmm. However, currently are you, you're, you're, are you good friends with Blake Baker or were you at one point in your life? Um, yeah. When we play lacrosse, you know, I would say we were pretty good buddies. Blake currently is in possession of my my main stick he's mm. retaining it so i was using my backup stick and my main stick has a lot more whip a lot more hold and the stick i was using has a tendency to let that ball sail mm. and uh cost I can't you that extra half I'm, inch yep. uh, cost you that extra half inch you needed I, I can't help but imagine if i had my main my main plug that ball would be in the net right now well, sometimes, you know, it doesn't go your way. Obviously, I hate to blame the equipment, but I'm really proud of your ability, Drew, to adapt on the fly with the with the facing off and also to step up to the plate and say, I'll take the face offs for the team. That's oh. a that was a that was a very a valiant, valiant decision for you to do. And uh, I'm I'm proud that you were able to adapt and you know, turn things around for hey, your team. And hey, you heard him. Draws. You heard him. 2022, it's Evil Drew. Okay, no more yeah. this guy. Yeah. He's I here. There, what was that? I was a menace out there. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I didn't feel pain the entire game until after I stepped off that field. I was getting whacked countlessly with, sh- with shafts. I mean, just shaft to the arm, shaft to the face, <laughs> shaft to the stomach, shafts everywhere. And I was just taking it, just eating them, and and giving them back too. Like I was giving, I was giving mine back to them as well. And you know, we we may have lost six to nine, you know, but I almost scored, and I showed my team, I'm doing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And there that you was it, the folks. That this was this the is the man. There you have it. This is the man that the Cobras fans love drew davis he is fearless on demon he time is evil he is a demon he is out there looking for blood okay i'm, I'm i don't i think i i think i play the cobras this year i'm not looking forward to it anymore i'm a little intimidated honestly <laughs> might just forfeit this one because one of my guys forgot his socks tom i think i think this really tr- shows my um I, I i think it is a special gift that i was given and, and that's the ability to just receive pain. Um, my girlfriend asked me earlier this year, she asked me, she goes, do you like pain? Because it just seems like, like she watched, she watched my adult league baseball game and she was like, do you, do you like just pain? And I was like, no, I just, it's just, it's just something that happens. And I think, I think we all can learn a little something from that. Okay. Okay. 
Well, that's inspirational, Drew. It's inspirational. But um, it sounds but to like clarify, no, I don't. I don't like pain. Good. Good. I'm glad you don't like pain. You should. You should seek out health and happiness. Um, but I think that just about sums up my next question, which is, what's Drew been up to? I think we know exactly oh. what Drew's been up to now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I did. I've been, driving, I've been driving self-driving cars, baby. Oh, okay. You're still doing that. Yeah. But uh, now you're back. You're living. That's a very you're interesting living, sentence. You're living. Uh, <laughs> driving self-driving cars. Uh, but you're living closer to the meadows now, right? You're in what area? Celine. Celine. Okay, so you're kind of by Ann Arbor, and by. Morning. By yourself, or with my aunt? With your aunt, okay. So, I was gonna ask you for all the listeners who are a little younger. I know we have a lot of listeners who are 18, 19 years old. Um, you know, you had that year where you lived by yourself, I think, with your brother, so you were, you know, no quote unquote adult supervision. But, um, what was that like, and what did you learn from it, and how's that molded Drew into the 2022 mm-hmm. Drew now that that experience is over and done with? How did it mold me? Well, um, you know, I think it did teach me. I think it matured me a lot. Um, you know, it it wasn't. You know, I wish I could be. I wish I could say it was the best time of my life. Mm-hmm. But it was not. Okay, that's uh, very fair. I, I think last year, without diving too deep into things, was a pretty rough year for the Drewster. The Drewster. Um, but. Uh, you know, living by yourself, I think, is a very important thing that kids should do at some, like, pretty, like, it teaches you a lot. It teaches you, like, how to, I love cooking now. Mm-hmm. Um, teaches you how to cook. It's pretty cool. Um, it teaches you how to be a little bit more responsible, I think. And, I mean, me and my brother, I don't, me and my brother's an interesting conversation because we hated each other growing up. And then, and then we liked each other. Like and a lot of siblings. Yeah, and then and then we moved and uh, oh, we, Tom, we hated each other. I mean, I mean, my parents were genuinely afraid for us as roommates. Um, no, but as children, like oh, they as like children. My, my dad's on quote like my dad and his brother are best friends, and he was like like he's told us on multiple occasions like he he is scared or was scared that like we would not talk to each other past the age of like twenty. Wow. But, but uh, has it been resolved? We, we liked each other once he moved out, once we got some space from each other. And then we moved in with each other. And, you know, something about me and my brother are we just we're just two different people. That's fine, though. That's, I mean, you don't have to be the same. I feel like me and my oh, dad are very different, like even though yeah, yeah. I'm his son. But I think it's, it was just a struggle. We, uh, we have very different stress. Um, you know, he's very big into music and, and video games. And I like video games, but I'm very much into sports. And going outside and like camping, mm-hmm. um, and like, you know, it's it's it is difficult to, to find some common ground to hang out when when you have such different interests. But you know, me and my brother are still chill. He's still DJ Sully. Um, he's still kicking it. I'm still kicking it. Just two yeah. boys. Is that, just two is that boys kicking it. Yeah, I mean that's. I'm just looking for you, Drew. I want nothing but Drew. That's what the people get. That's what the people get. I, you don't get a fabricated Drew ever. Never. Whether it's mustache Drew, whether it's injured Drew. I'm whether it's now. Oh, I, the beard's looking good. We need to get you a little bit more Just for Men, though, huh? Yeah, you know. A little it fresh just, batch of Just for Men for opening day. I don't know. You know, I was thinking about it. I, was, I really was <laughs> thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Tom, 
I didn't, that wasn't a one-time thing. I nursed that just for men for the following months. I know it was looking good, Drew. I kept reapplying right before my, uh, right before my school picture reapplied. Okay. Got a- <laughs> I mean, that's a, it's a good purchase. I'm glad we did that for you. Um, I think we all, we all enjoyed it and it was a, it was a good transformation, but, um, I don't know. Evil Drew, Demon Drew, whoever it is, I'm just excited to see the Cobes in 2022. I'm excited to start playing wiffle ball, watching wiffle ball, and uh, just seeing how things play out. And I know Drew will be a, a big part of this this season and this this season's storyline. You never you never quite know what you're going to get, but you know that Drew Davis will make a headline or two. So. I will give a little teaser. Uh, I will be very, I will be wearing a very special, almost symbolic headband for Game One. Okay, and. Uh, I really hope whoever is interviewing me, if I get interviewed on opening day, our opening day, not the opening day, but our opening day, mm-hmm. uh, I hope they ask about what that is and what it means. Okay. Keep that in mind, Drew. Well, uh, thanks for joining us tonight, Drew. I appreciate it. Jack, as always, it's been, it's been a good episode. Pleasure. Pleasure as always, I had, to, I, had to, I had to expose myself for being irresponsible to an extent, and uh, I got to talk some whiffs. So overall, I'd say it's a pretty good episode to pipe it up. And, um, yeah, we got some, uh, I've been brainstorming a lot about this podcast, guys, listening in. Me and Kyle are thinking about ways to continue to make it exciting and grow it. So, uh, I'll definitely recommend giving us a follow on Instagram if you don't already at Pipe It Up MLW. We're going to turn that into something pretty cool pretty soon here. So, um, thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm, uh, I'm running on E here, so I got to edit this bad boy and then get some sleep. But, uh. Are you still in Germany? No, I'm back home. Back in oh, the Schultz's okay. basement. If you want to hear the hear the whole story, listen to the beginning of this episode when I upload it. But um, okay, that's that's gonna be a wrap, fellas. So uh, peace.